Misrepresentations of Biological Psychiatry on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this is Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May, and as has become our custom the last few years, we are addressing several different topics regarding the issue of mental health. And today, we're going to entertain a topic related to biological psychiatry. Now, we've talked about on the podcast, Biological Psychiatry in the Past, episode 258. This was last May. We talked specifically about biological psychiatry. We don't want to rehash all of that. I would recommend that you go back and listen to uh, that podcast, give you some information about the history of it, what biological psychiatry is. L- let me let me just summarize the idea of biological psychiatry. It's, it's trying to explain the psychological productions of man from some sort of reduced biological explanation. David Pallison even in a journal biblical counseling editorial back in 1999, wrote this as he summarized biological psychiatry or biopsychiatry. He said, it's an explanation that your psyche becomes a byproduct of your body. And that's the way that a lot of research in the modern, particularly since 1955, really began to amp up, became prominent in 1980. And today, it's the primary way, really, that we think about mental disorders, uh, the idea of mental disorders. And again, I'll, I'll sort of give you the, the back and forth here uh, relative to the history of biological psychiatry, where biological psychiatry sort of ebbed and flowed in its emphasis in history. Uh, it's certainly more recent, the last several hundred years, between what's called romantic psychiatry. And that's more of your moral therapy or your talk therapy. Uh, this would be Freudian psychoanalysis. This would be your humanistic talk therapy approaches. And, and those two things have been sort of at odds. And what's happening now, even in the current literature, is those two things are rising as two opposing views. And I think people don't often recognize that. And today, Sam Stevens is here with me to discuss some of these issues. You guys are familiar with Sam. Uh, he is a uh, our director of training center certification. He also teaches here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in our biblical counseling department. And Sam and I love to read about this subject. We love to discuss this subject. It's very interesting to us. And uh, as we think about biological psychiatry and, and really what's happened, um, particularly since 2013, we've seen an increase in concern as it relates to the, the model of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and the way we think about mental disorders from primarily a biological perspective. But, but what's happening even right now is an increase in literature that's questioning this narrative of biological psychiatry and calling it reductionistic. We'll explain that as we move forward. But we want to interact today, if we can, with an article that was presented last year in 2020. And it comes from the Harvard Review of Psychiatry. And and this is the title of it, Messaging in Biological Psychiatry, Misrepresentations, Their Causes, and Potential Consequences. And it's really interesting to, to see this literature as it continues to unfold, questioning the narrative of the last several decades of biological psychiatry being propped up as some sort of scientific pinnacle of explaining psychiatric disorders or psychological disorders. And so, Sam, I, I want us to sort of dive into this if we can, because some of the things that we're going to talk about today may be shocking to some of the people that we're going to introduce this idea to. 
And I want to make sure that we explain it carefully. We explain it well. This this podcast will probably extend into at least two. And so I want to make sure we slow down. We explain this as good as possible. But what I want to do is start off with just assessing some of the literature. That's what these guys are doing here in the Harvard Review of Psychiatry. They're assessing some of the scientific literature and some of the various problems that they see, some of what we've called the misrepresentations of biological psychiatry. And so I I want you just to sort of introduce our listeners to uh, this idea about some of the literature, where it's leading, what some of the things are are being said even now. I think it's fascinating to consider that actually this is coming from within the field of psychiatry itself Um, and and even broader scientific research and and studies uh, on, on psychiatry uh, its impact on medicine in general. And many of our listeners um, who are our members uh, or just interested in this topic may not be aware of that because that does not come across in mass media. It doesn't come across in the general parlance of discussing mental health, mental illness, which is very common in our culture and society here, at, at least in the West. And so uh, with this particular article, are, are two major thrusts that the, the researchers are, are getting at. Uh, one is that uh, what we've already talked about, the biopsychosocial model, or what they also identify as the multi-causal explanation of mental disorders. Uh, Let me talk about that for a moment. That is, uh, basically, there are multiple factors, not just one, uh, that uh, is the cause or explanation of mental illness, mental disorders. So the thrust of this article is that uh, the biopsychosocial model should be considered as important or at least as important as the biological model or the monocausal model of psychiatry. Let's break that down for a second. So the biopsychosocial, you you can hear the language that's there. And some integrationist Christian psychologists even use this phrase biopsychosocial and sometimes add spiritual uh, in relation to that. And what they're trying to do is to explain man to some degree. They are, are pushing against in some ways, the the exclusionary or reductionistic view of biological psychiatry saying, no, we can't reduce all of our emotions down to just some sort of neurological problem. They would acknowledge that that, that is there, that there are probably issues of chemical imbalance in the brain, uh, but there are also spiritual explanations. So they sort of look at those, those things as, as different buckets, if you will, of man, and that there are different ways to deal with some of the, the problems of man depending upon the category that, that it's defined by. Let me give a quick history of this. In, in biological psychiatry, it was gaining ground, as I said, from the 1950s uh, into the 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and, and beyond. Uh, and there was a physician by the name of Engel who, uh, who basically constructed this model. He saw where things were going, and I think rightfully so. He began to raise some caution. He, he saw that, man, we're trying to explain humanity uh, from a biological-only perspective. Now, we have to pause and acknowledge we are biological beings. We are physical beings, but that's not all that we are if the Bible is true, and I believe that it is. So uh, as we as we look at where biological psychiatry is going and where it has been, that's a concern for us. It should be biblically because it's explaining man in different ways than the Bible uh, explains man, and those things can't be true if the Bible is true. So um, I think he was right to raise concern. Now, the, the way he responded, I think, raises caution into this biopsychosocial model. And what's happening, and, and maybe we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but there's major questions being asked uh, in the last decade about this biopsychosocial model. Is it an appropriate way to categorize psychiatric or psychological problems that people 
uh, are facing. And, um, and this is not religious fanatics, crazy people like me asking this question or Sam, right? I mean, this is, this is people in the field, right? One of the, the leading guys who's critiquing the biopsychosocial model is, is from Tufts University in Boston, one of the leading you know, institutions of, of higher education relative to psychiatry in the, in the country. And so we're talking some major discussion that's happening. Now, I understand this is a little bit deeper than we normally go, but, but these things are important if we're going to understand that worldview and approach of mental health. Okay, so Sam, I, I interrupted you very rudely. I want you to get back into describing uh, some of the, the terms here and then some of the literature that, that we're seeing mass media just explode and build a narrative that that's not an accurate scientific expression, but but is so dominant in the culture that we live in. Right. Well, we talked about that that first thrust, and so I'm glad you clarified that the researchers in this article, at least implicitly, are definitely in favor of that multi-causal explanation, right? They, they even identified that biological psychiatry, that monocausal, this one explanation that's purely naturalistic and biological, you know, all mental di- disorders come from this. They're pushing back on that and saying, saying, listen, the main message delivered to lay people are that mental disorders are brain diseases, that there's no difference between mental disorders as we would find specifically laid out in the DSM with biomedical diseases. And that this messaging, at, at least what they put down very cautiously, is misleading. And this gets to the second thrust of the article, that media represents psychiatric studies and research broadly as fact, as scientific fact, and as consensus. And so uh, many uh, uh, of our listeners, I would say probably even more so our counselees, are getting uh, their information, their understanding of mental disorders, the psychiatric complex, mental health, broadly speaking, fr- not from these studies that we're referencing, um, that, that comes from research and, and these types of things, but they're getting them from uh, secondhand sources. They're getting them from mass media, uh, newspapers, uh, from, from news stories that you hear. I mean, I, I don't know about most of our listeners, when you turn on the news in the morning, I want you to listen for in the next few mornings, listen for stories that come out uh, about these studies that come out regarding uh, mental health and and uh, how different activities and different ways of thinking improve our lives in various ways. This is, is again, it underlies in a big way uh, the way that we think as a society. So these are the two major thrusts in this article. One, that we should consider or that the field should consider biopsychosocial explanations as just as important, if not maybe more important than the biological model. And that secondly, the media generally represents uh, the biological psych- psychiatry uh, in a very favorable way. But that's problematic because there's not a lot of consensus behind that approach. So I, I want to go a little bit further into that, but I think it's fascinating. I'm just going to read you the first few sentences of the abstract where they're explaining in this article what they're getting at. And then, Sam, what I want you to do is I want to talk about some of those problems that they're identifying in the scientific literature because I think that's really, really critical here. This is, this is what they say. Most experts in the field of psychiatry recognize that neuroscience advances have yet to be translated into clinical practice. Now, I think that's interesting even for from our perspective because uh, we're seeing that explode even in the biblical counseling movement. Some people are entertaining these ideas of neurological advances, neuroscientific advances, and these things are important. I'm not dismissing that. Absolutely not. But there's an assumption that when you have some sort of neurological explanation for uh, this or that, it gives scientific fervor to it. Uh, and and that's, what, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is that 
Um, people are trying to build their scientific, you know, uh, vigor on the back of neurology, but it's not translated into clinical practice at this point. They continue to say the main message delivered to lay people, this is people in the culture broadly, however, is that mental disorders are brain diseases cured by scientifically designed medications. Wow. So this isn't me saying this. These are researchers from Harvard making this statement, both PhDs uh, who are writing this. They go on to say here in this article, we describe how this misleading message is generated. We summarize the academic studies describing how biomedical observations are often misrepresented in the scientific literature through various forms of data embellishment, publication biases favoring initial and positive studies, improper interpretations, and exaggerated conclusions. That is a massive indictment, Sam, on the literature that's often used to propagate these ideas. And quite frankly, it's often used to squelch uh, biblical counseling as an approach, as if it's too simplistic, it's not complex enough, you guys aren't understanding science. We have to clarify here, what are, what are some of the yes. things that we're seeing in the literature? Well, and, and even on a personal note, I, I've mentioned this to our listeners before, when I began to engage in a lot of this literature, I was very intimidated because I'm, I'm not a scientific researcher. So you read some of these studies and you, you come at the end of them and you think, well, I mean, it sounds pretty reasonable to me. It sounds pretty founded. What, what I really think is fascinating about this particular article, this particular study, demonstrates that not even just in psychiatric scientific research and studies, but even broadly, that these elements are found uh, are found quite often. So let, let's dig in a little bit deeper for our listeners to kind of explain what are some of these issues, these problems in psychiatric scientific literature that 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 we find quite often. So the first thing that you mentioned was data embellishment. So so what is that? That can come in several different forms, and they 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 cite all of these studies, by the way, at the end of the article. So I would encourage our listeners, take a look at the article. We're going to provide it in the show notes for you. Uh, and you can find these studies. Many of them are open source, so you don't have to, there's not a paywall. But so some of these are examples of deletion of data. Uh, what is actually should be included in the study to give the most accurate picture of, of how the study was conducted and the outcomes just simply is not included to give the final result. That, I mean, you could stop right there. That's very problematic. That that really uh, is a problem in just how science generally should be conducted uh, in the first place. Uh, the entire scientific method really is at risk when you don't include the, mm. the full accurate picture of data. Also, uh, there's, there's the issue of ending of data collection once desired outcomes are reached. Now, this kind of bleeds into another issue that is found quite often, and this is in particular in the social science uh, scientific literature. Uh, regarding positive outcomes. Uh, this, what that means is, uh, in, generally in scientific research, uh, a scientist has a hypothesis, they test the hypothesis, and then the results are measured up against that hypothesis. I, I put it very, that's very simplistic, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, for all of us to understand how that generally works. Uh, what one interesting article found, and, and again, these researchers uh, cite this study, uh, this is from a few years ago, uh, but the study looked at uh, scientific studies from across all the different uh, types of sciences. So we generally would think of sciences as the hard sciences um, and then the soft sciences, which are, are going to be sociology, psychology, psychiatry. And so they looked at all this broad spectrum, everything from astrophysics to physics to chemistry to, uh, you know, more of the social sciences, political science and psychiatry. And they looked at the positive outcomes of these studies. Do you know which of these categories 
uh, by far yielded the most positive outcomes. It wasn't the hard sciences. It was psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And what these uh, authors put forward in this uh, particular article that we're referencing is that uh, that demonstrates some of the embellishment of data. Uh, how interesting that over 80%, well over 80%, uh, this is leading up to a few years ago, of the outcomes of these studies were positive, that the hypothesis perfectly matched the outcomes of the study. When, when you looked at what, what this one referenced article brings up is when you look at how these often go, that's very, very abnormal. You don't typically find that, especially, again, when you're trying to, and what good science does is it tries to explore uh, as far as it can uh, the implications of the study and the research and the outcomes. Uh, they really want to test the hypothesis. Is it, is it accurate or not? So that they're finding that these hypotheses from these researchers come out positive at this high rate is very interesting. And, and again, um, they tie this into the media output that generally the mass media is very favorable to these types of studies. Again, you see them everywhere. And so when, when there's a initial, at least an initial positive outcome from a study, or, or uh, again, the data is embellished or somehow collection of data is ended to, to promote a desired outcome, uh, these things are often pushed by the media. And there are several examples included in uh, this one article. Uh, another thing that they bring up is exaggerated conclusions. Now, I find this to be really interesting as well, that uh, this, you know, a- along with the social sciences having a-, a very high positivity rate in a lot of these studies, is that the conclusions are broadly applied. Typically, when you read these types of studies, you get two major aspects. One is the data and an explanation of the data. Um, you know, what was the, the sample size? Uh, what were the, the different stipulations of the study. And then you have some sort of summary. And again, if you're not used to reading these types of articles, they may they may feel kind of strange reading it, but these are the two elements that you'll find. One thing that this um, I found interesting that this article brought up was that oftentimes the data presented, if it's accurately presented, and the summary of the data don't match. The summary is much more glowing, if you will. It's much more positive then then the data actually translates into again clinical practice clinical reality and so they're saying that you don't see you're not seeing a really realistic matchup between these two things again there's many reasons behind that uh, but one is when you think about just the the whole effort of publishing in in science, uh, scientific or academic journals and then even just the research context there's a lot of need to obtain funding for ongoing research well what gets funding positive studies, or at least promising studies. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you've got to put this factor into play, and they include that here in this article as well. Yeah, and one of, uh, just a quick aside uh, relative to that, the the specialization that's happening in psychiatry and psychology broadly, I think is uh, becoming more and more reductionistic into certain areas. And and I think it's, it's closing our mind to some degree in seeing the wholeness of humanity and what's involved uh, with us responding emotionally and, and, you know, as it's termed secularly as from a psychological perspective. And, and so we have to be cautious and very careful that even as these things become, um, you know, further specialized, that actually can be harmful to some of the scientific literature because you're, you're looking in a very narrow window for things, not considering outside influence on some of your research. 
Well, and I want to bring this point up too as well. Again, we're we're throwing the word science around quite a bit, and we've talked about this, Mm. uh, that not all science is science. Um, We we talked about the philosophy of scientism, Mm -hmm. uh, so we're we're really talking about more philosophical pursuits with scientific language or garb. But I do want to mention this this, uh, just to clarify or or to to bring this to bear, I think, in a a more uh, pointed way about the the initial studies that come out that seem positive and how the mass media really pursue this. I want to quote directly from uh, the article that we're mentioning mentioning here. Uh, So science itself is a cumulative process that evolves from promising but uncertain initial studies toward a consensus based on a corpus of independent studies confirming or not the initial studies. Unfortunately, and again, this is quoting from the article, mass media do not does not take this process into account. Mm. And so they take the initial studies and they run with them. And again, there are several examples in this one article that talks about this, them running away with this. L- let me share this one with our listeners because this is really interesting regarding ADHD. Um, so back in 2017, the Daily Telegraph, which is a, a very large uh, newspaper with a broad circulation uh, in the UK, headlined this article, ADHD is a result of brain disorder, not bad parenting. Uh, and so uh, inside the article, the journalist wrote this, quote, The scientists behind the study say that their findings prove for the first time that the condition has a physical cause, end quote. Now, again, you hear that type of stuff pretty regularly here in the U.S. even in, on our news stations and programs. I mean, how many times have you heard about, oh, the study proves X, right? Uh, and then the next week you hear the exact opposite. The, the, the study proves X. Uh, this, this is clickbait. A lot mm. of it is. Um, so what 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 the writers in this article says uh, regarding this faulty way that the Daily Telegraph has 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 uh, interpreted the research, they said yet for, according to the study, structural changes in certain brain areas are not necessarily the cause of mental disorders, as the authors in the Daily Telegraph uh, had suggested. Uh, for example, the most robust differences between the brains of disp- depressed patients and those of healthy controls relates to the volume of the hippocampus. A large international study showed that this volume reduction is modest, about 1.2%, and appears only after years of depression. It is not observed in patients diagnosed with a first depressive episode. Consequently, this minimal atrophy of the hippocampus might be the consequence of chronic depression rather than its cause. So again, this confusion between correlation and causation Mm -hmm. and how the mass media really warps that in a very a very general way to promote the positive positivity of these types of studies. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's really helpful. Let me translate what he just said relative to the depression study is uh, what he's saying is that, that what, what's termed scientific neurobiological, okay, those things are true, but what, what's the part of the data that's not given is that people describe this as a cause, as if this appears early on and it's causing our depression. Well, what studies are actually demonstrating is that our states of depression long-term is having calls on our biology. Wow, that's really interesting to think about. And of course, more of that needs to be explored, but it's really interesting how the mass media starts to promote this. Now, we got to shut this down. I was afraid this was going to happen, Sam, uh, <laughs> where we, we jump into this topic and there are so many things to talk about. This is an important topic to me because, uh, and I'm going to continue to beat this drum. And the reason is because uh, this narrative that we're seeing outside, and I would use Colossians 2, Eight as one of our critical responsibilities to stand for truth, to stand against false ideologies, empty philosophies, and vain deceptions, that it, it is one of the major hindrances 
of biblical counseling. People dismiss biblical counseling as if it's not real, doesn't exist, the Bible's not sufficient, because they buy into these things. And what we're trying to say is that's not what the secularists are saying. I'll finish with this, and then we'll be done for today. This whole article from the Harvard Review of Psychiatry was actually a response to another article that was that was released in October 2019 from the New England Journal of Medicine. And these two gentlemen, researchers, published uh, this, this article in the New England Journal of Medicine. And, and this is one of their primary claims. And what the Harvard Review of Psychiatry article is trying to do is to demonstrate how this happened. Why did this happen? Why did the, did the culture, why did lay people at large buy into this? Um, this is what, what the New England Journal of Medicine said. Ironically, although these limitations of biological treatments are widely recognized by experts in the field, the prevailing message to the public and the rest of medicine remains that the solution to psychological problems involves matching the right diagnosis with the right medication. Consequently, psychiatric diagnoses and medications proliferate under the banner of scientific medicine, though there is no comprehensive biologic understanding of either the cause or the treatments of psychiatric disorders. That is a major claim. We're going to try to revisit that in our next podcast uh, next week um, as we're dealing with these issues uh, in Mental Health Awareness Month. So I hope you'll join us as we continue this conversation uh, next week on the misrepresentations of literature that we see relative to biological psychiatry. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Well, as you guys can tell, this is a very uh, thick subject, and it's one that literature is coming out by the droves, honestly, from, from seculars questioning what's happening in biological psychiatry. And I, I think it's very relevant to where we are. Uh, again, so many pastors, this is a hindrance to them, where uh, they love the Bible, they want to preach the Bible, they believe the Bible's inerrant and authoritative, um, but it, it, they, they begin to question the extent of the sufficiency of the Bible in part because of this narrative. And, and all I want to do is to not dismiss the idea that, you know, we don't have biological effects. Of course we do. We're biological beings. But the attention and the primacy of causes that we give to it, even the scientific secular literature is raising major, major questions. I mean, it's this huge debate going on now. So I want us to be confident in that. I, I, the last thing I'll leave you with is this. We're going we're gonna to put several resources uh, along with the, the Harvard Review article uh, in the show notes and several other resources that you can consider that I think would be helpful just to be aware of. I think it would be important for you to, to, uh, to jump onto this train and understanding what's happening in some of the literature because you know people always say, well, you biblical counselors are against science. We're not. We, we just want to read it and read it well if we can and to understand what people are saying even the secular world not not that we agree with their conclusions um, as far as what they're recommending we do moving forward but we do see as Jay Adams said co-belligerence and I think it's important for us to recognize that when it happens uh, in some of the literature so uh, we'll leave those in the show notes uh, where you can find of course at biblicalcounseling.com <music>